Mike, we're back. Uh, we've got a special guest tonight, and we got quite a bit to talk about. Midsummer here, and uh, we just had LSO finish up, or for those of you outside of Texas, the Lone Star Open. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I, where do we start? Well, I think we should have a uh, guest introduce himself, and that's how, you know, he's yeah, best. That's a good spot. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Uh, my name is Mark Whitaker. I go by Mark of Corn um, online. I don't do any cool podcasts or anything. I just play a lot of 40K. Been playing for about, oh God, how old am I? That long? Uh, since Dark Millennium, I've been playing with, with my, uh, my Cornate Marines. And uh, it's the first time going to a tournament in Texas, so it was very cool. So you took Corn, right? Yep, took world, world pure world, world eaters. eaters. Yeah, so we both had uh, quite a bit to talk about here uh, because I also took world eaters to the event, and we both kind of finished right at about the same, uh, right in the same area there in the the four and two range. Which you know, for for not having a codex, I I would say we did all right there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you took the harder path than I did. I got I got uh, I played stupid the first game, and then I all. Oh, I, I hate mathematics and uh, there was, there were some shenanigans where I wounded a, a, a custodes shield captain 20 times and he took two points of damage. Um, that kind of, well, yeah. it's hard to, hard to rebound when the unit that's supposed to kill somebody is now dead. Uh, and then that guy is running around your corner, killing everything. So I went zero and two to start with and then kind of clawed my way back up from there. But I was definitely watching you from the, out of the corner of my eye going, I got to catch that guy. Cause he's doing, yeah. That. Yeah, you did, and you did. You you definitely uh, climbed a little bit higher than I did there in the in the final couple games there. So, uh, well, we can get into those. Um, what do you think of the event, Mark? Uh, well, if I start with the, the fact that the location for the event was fantastic, I, I liked that there was nothing else going on there at the point at that. And it may just not might have just been timing or something, but. Um, the hall was huge. The fact that we had half of it and there was other stuff going on in the other half and it wasn't so loud that I couldn't hear myself think was pretty awesome. Uh, I think the judges did a pretty good job. I've always been impressed with FLG's amount of terrain they throw on tables because I know that's not a small investment, just even just getting it there. So that was pretty well organized and pretty well run. Um, I, I will say, you know, address the 800 pound gorilla in the room. I, I had to change my entire army list because of the terrain rules that they came up with. I don't mind player placed terrain. I I've played that way ever since back in the the nineties when that was how you set up a table was by we used to call it ganip ganopping who put the terrain down. Um, but they put some keywords on the terrain that kind of stuck it to us as far as uh, assault armies go with every single ruin having heavy cover in it. Um, so not a fan of that. But um, I think it was very clear if you if you got on the higher tables that once you got up there, the armies that were playing up there were built because they had the ability to play inside of the terrain rules, like the Eldar armies with no line of sight shooting. Uh, anybody that had an, an ability to take ignore light terrain was taking no ignore light terrain. So not a fan of the terrain rules, um, but the event itself was was pretty amazingly well run yeah ditto on the venue and and even the stuff in the area around the the hotel there that it was or where it was i mean 
you had tons of uh, lots of restaurants, lots of yep. stuff in the area. In walking so, distance. Yeah, all in walking distance. So I'm, I'm hoping that they can uh, re-up on the same venue for the next one. Um, but the terrain is probably the best place to start because that seems to be the hot button topic, at least just kind of perusing all the, all the sites where the, the chaos players are chatting. And that just seems to be kind of the big thing, even in the FLG community that, uh, on Facebook, there's been a couple of things that have come up already where, you know, it's kind of like this debate around is, did the player place terrain affect AdMech at all, or did that actually help them or hinder them? Um, and, for for sake of the understanding what we're talking about here, um, what they did was they basically um, set up each table with a uh, perfectly even amount of terrain. Uh, so you'd have say two or three ruins, uh, two to three like or you know probably a couple forests and craters, and then you'd have like a couple crates in there as well. And then what they had was a packet that basically just said, okay, look, the the Ruins are obviously, they're obscuring and they had your, your normal type of cover, but then they also gave it heavy cover in addition to the normal rules. Uh, and then they also kind of deviated a little bit and said the forests and the craters, I think as well, uh, yep. it, it, they both had obscuring on it, which was also kind of a very weird thing. So you essentially had about like four or five pieces of terrain on your side of the board every game that were obscuring. So there was... I mean, really just no reason for anything that you had to, to not be obscured when it started, unless it just can't be. Um, but for the process that we followed, it was basically um, you divide the table in half and then you basically, whichever way you're playing, you just divide it in half and then you just take turns placing terrain wherever you want. And they had some rules around, you know, certain pieces had to be six inches away and then other pieces four inches um, and you generally just kind of ran into trying to get everything kind of crammed into the, the space that you had to work with. Um, and I don't know, Mark, about your games, but at least for me, um, I brought a Lord of Skulls. Yep. And the, the struggle I always had was just kind of like a two minute chat at the very start, like, look, if we're going to. I'd like to use my model in this game, right? <laughs> so, you know, when we're placing this stuff or as we place everything down, just kind of consider like, let's just say, you know, the main alleys on in the board here, like, you know, I can get through there with the Lord of Skulls just from an intent standpoint, yeah. even if stuff gets bumped around. And generally speaking, all my opponents were really, really, you know, fair about that. So never had that problem. Yeah. And, and I, I, three of my opponents were night players and, and I'll tell you what, um, <laughs> thank goodness two of them went first. Otherwise the one guy that didn't, it was bad, but uh, no. So what they said in the rule book was that the terrain pieces, the buildings had to be six inches apart, which is just wide enough, just wide enough for a knight to sidestep through. Mm -hmm. So crippling from, and, and the other thing you touched on there was um, everything should be obscured. Well, you can't obscure Titanic things. So right. everything shooting, you can see you and you can never see them. Did not like it. Oh, and the other thing was you only set up terrain in your half of the board. So your terrain was perfectly placed for you every time or right. should have been. <clears throat> right. And, you know, like you were saying about the indirect fire list, there was a, uh, there was a guard list I ran into um, a fellow Texan and uh, he basically had like two mana cores and the fact yep. that those and the fact that vengeance for Cadia still exists, it mm -hmm. just picked up my Lord of Skulls in one turn and that full payload. You know, yeah, I mean, it just, it, it, 
they get enough shots rolled with it. Uh, there was there was another guy there running the um, uh, the two uh, Tesseract vaults, yep. and uh, I I was talking with him. He's from Houston, and chatting with him afterwards. And he had one game against guard where both vaults were picked up on turn one. Yep. Like just the just the output. Like if guard just rolls hot with the number of shots that they get, just the raw output from that is a nightmare. Um, and then on top of that, you have just so many bodies. Uh, one guy's list, I think, had like 300 conscripts, which was just, <laughs> okay, I Fantastic. don't want to face that. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so, I mean, it seems like even if you were to not have player place terrain, it's, to me at least, it seems like ignore line of sight stuff or lists that really go in at least partially to ignore line of sight are, are seeming to kind of be on the uptick right now. Well, so the usual downside of those lists is that the terrain is not always going to be positioned in such a way that those models are not easily targetable mm -hmm. because there's, you know, there may be one piece of terrain in your deployment area that's exactly where you want it. So you have to pile all your guys behind that one piece of terrain. In this case, it was, I'm going to build a wall that's got yeah. two six inch gaps in it that you can't get past. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other thing about those weapons is they generally are less efficient than the, uh, I guess, their direct fire counterparts. And so yeah. in table mat tables where the terrain isn't like that, they tend to lose out um, as a result. I agree. So, the, so moving past the terrain, the matches that we had um, – Mark, do you want to talk a little bit, just kind of go through your matches and, and what happened a little bit? Sure. So my first game I played against a Necron player and uh, I was a little bit hyperactive and I wanted to find out if my thoughts on how cool being in heavy, heavy cover would be. Because um, my, my brain with world leaders, I went to, if you charge me and I take the plus one to hit, I can pop, um, stoke the nails and get death of the false emperor against anybody on sixes, take the plus one to hit and get it on fives and I'm going to have this monster damage output. <laughs> so I wanted to find that out, if, that, if I was right about that. So when I uh, found out that the Necron player was going first, I still moved my Warp Talons just over my deployment line um, in a building to, to try that out, not thinking about the fact that I didn't even have to move forward and he wouldn't have been able to charge me, which would have been so much smarter. Uh, <laughs> but because I did that, they then came forward with their unit when they went first, wiped out my warp talons without me being able to swing back into them. And I then counterattacked into that unit with a unit of chaos terminators and found out I was hundred percent correct about the fact that being in heavy terrain is really cool um, because the plus one to their save, the ability to get plus ones to hit back meant that I had to really pump up that unit of terminators to kill off a unit that even with chain fists and power fists and AP three, axes should have had no problem getting that unit out of that ruin um, and as a result their second wave into that ruin knocked my guys out before I ever had a chance because not that I'm bitter or anything our terminators still only have two wounds so every two damage weapon was killing a terminator instead of them having to spend two two wounding hits to kill a terminator um, so I kind of played myself out of that game because I let them uh, get the the um, initiative in the fighting when I could have not allowed that to happen if I had been smarter. So that was the first game, which I think was a really good game against a decent Necron player um, who 
took advantage of the mistakes I made for sure. And I won't take anything away from them because they, they jumped on it. And as my old football coach used to say, a good player is the one who sees a mistake and takes advantage of it. And an average player is the one who says, Oh, well, if I didn't make that mistake, you wouldn't have won. Um, they took advantage of football coach. Yeah. They took advantage (laughs) of every single, every single uh, mistake I made. Uh, and that's great. So all credit to them. Uh, the second game I played, was against custodes. And, uh, I think in this one, if I were to, to tally up the two reasons that I lost, um, the, my opponent took the, the bait on a trap I laid for them with, um, getting their shield captain to come driving across the board. I rolled up, got out of my Rhino with my, my squad of eight berserkers charged that shield captain after I hit him with a melted gun. So he was down to four wounds, delivered 20 wounds to the shield captain, which, even with a three up invulnerable save and a six up feel no pain should have been more than enough. And he made 18 of 20 saves <laughs> interrupted, killed half the squad of berserkers. I hit that same shield captain. And the second time the berserkers fought for 12 more wounds, he took one. That's, uh, uh, that's remarkably so, bad luck. That, yeah, that, that, was, that was pretty horrible. <laughs> so he jumped out of that fight, shot my guys that were on it, holding an objective um, or sorry. Yeah. Shot down my Marines that were holding an objective scored points for being in that table quarter. I had to chase him down with one berserker champion left. And as a result, I had to send the ever reliable Karn um, into combat with a Telamon and Karn got eight wounding hits through on a Telamon that had nine wounds and uh, never rolled a single three for damage. (laughs) So it took one damage eight times and had one wound left and squished Karn. So those two mathematical yeah. Improbabilities uh, I, are where I would put the second loss at because one of the things that I have realized having played this army for a while is we don't have the ability to absorb a bad turn um, because we have to throw everything on the table and say, here's what I'm doing. And if that doesn't work to a significant degree, then your opponent is like, well, thanks. Whoop, and you don't have a recover. So that was the 0 and 2. Um, third game. I played against um, a night player who I give her all the credit in the world. Uh, her name is Trisha McDade. And she, I went first in, in that game. So the warp talons jumped forward, ate one of her big night, or sorry, ate both of her, I would call them, I don't know what they're supposed to be called. I call them war dogs. <laughs> I don't know what the loyalist version of them is. Armagers, um, I think. Armagers. Yes, yeah. the yeah. armagers. Ate two of those, uh, shot. The Vindicator shot one of her big knights off the table because, again, nowhere for them to hide. Um, and then she was basically fighting uphill from turn one. It, but she never, ever, ever gave up um, all the way to turn four when she lost her last night. So all the credit there. And I was super happy to see she went 3-0 and on day two. Yeah. So fantastic job. Uh, game four was against trying to think if it was another yeah i think game four was the other yep was another knights player on the scouring which is horrible for knights because they have no obsec at all and they have to keep moving on to um the objectives which they can't do because i'll just keep blowing them off of them or putting one chaos space marine there um so that that guy he went first which was really good because if he hadn't it would have been bad um got to move up but they just, again, with the, with all the stuff going into the Knights and their inability for anything of theirs to shoot through the obscuring terrain while I can hit everything they've got. Um, Hurts. 
kind of unfair. Yeah. Yep. So then I played uh, Sisters of Battle Army. Um, relatively new Sisters player, but they they had obviously done their research, done their you know they had big twenty sister blocks of infantry. They had clearly never experienced World Eaters warp talons before. Um, another game where I went first, the talons, the twenty talons jumped forward and just shredded an entire twenty. Mm-hmm person unit um, and had them on the back end. I think that's one of the areas where world leaders have a big advantage is if we can jump on board control, you'll constantly be fighting your way out of your own deployment zone. And that's in ninth edition, super powerful. Right. Uh, And then the last game was against an unfortunate chaos knight player um, who, because of the terrain, he went first fired the one night that had any line of sight to anything um, at a vindicator put 10 of the 11 wounds on it and then it was downhill from there and he was done and turn two. Um, wow. bad news. And again, yeah. I equate all of that to the terrain rules. So your, your list is interesting. And I was just kind of refreshing myself on it a little bit. Um, we both took the chaos Lords, uh, with Gorefather and, yep. um, the, I think you made him your warlord, and I think you gave him violent urgency. Or... Uh, nope, disciple of corn because that lets him if he's fighting in it. Oh my gosh, so bad against knights. <laughs> it lets him reroll hits and wounds Ooh. against um, characters and any unit with more than five wounds. Yeah, that's really really good. And when you're rerolling the wounds, you can be fishing for more mortal wounds if you really right. have to. At that exactly, yeah, that's really good. Really good. Um, I took. I had mostly big squads of berserkers. So where you took um, like a squad of cultists, a small squad of chaos space marines, and then a relatively big squad of um, berserkers, I just doubled up on about the same squad or, or size or bigger of my berserker squads and um, basically just opted for some plasma pistols in there. Um, and you, it looks like you kind of took some nice mixes of terminators where you had some with meltas, some with, um some with flamers some with plasmas it's just kind of a nice utility of kind of like a whole big mix of stuff in there yeah i'm kind of laughing over here because um the reason that i took the mix of terminators i have is i normally bring a lord of skulls as well um (laughs) but i I looked at the terminate i I looked at the tournament train pack rules and went that's gonna be useless pop the the lord of skulls out and those are the 16 terminators that i have that are terminator that are tournament ready um, and just as a side thing, you know, what's really funny is when you look at all the chaos space marine, like lists that were there, um, I think yours and Russell's might have been the only ones, uh, the black Legion player the, without Lord of Skulls. Like we have like yep. three or four of us. It's all super good. Skulls. <laughs> super good. I love that thing. It hurt me so much to put it back on the shelf. It surprises people. Uh, I had it, I had it work pretty good, uh, in one of my matchups. So. Yep. T T A. And a five-up invul save is and magic. Twenty-eight wounds. It, it's is the magic. amount of wounds the thing has. It's just ridiculous. I don't know. Did you ever play a Necron player with um, the the Void Dragon, where he has that power that says, "I'm going to do mortal wounds to you," and you count it being half your wounds bracket? No. Oh well, that's a power they have, and you should see the look on your face when you tell them thank you. Oh yes, because the Lord of Skulls is getting better. That's correct. You've just given me two extra yes. attacks. Thanks. Yes. Yep. I actually, I think it was either the Blood Angels player or um, well, there was somebody I played during the tournament, and they they basically spent their whole turn just going all in on killing the 
um, the Lord of Skulls. And he got down to like 14 wounds, 15 <laughs> wounds or so. And they were like, so he's bracketed, right? And I'm like, yeah, but that's bad for you. Yes. They were like, what do you mean? It's like, well, he does more attacks now. <laughs> he gets angry. If you ever, if you ever want to see a frosty night player, explain, explain the wound bracket on a Lord of Skulls to a night player. And then also remind them that you get your vulnerable save in close combat. Yeah, I've lived that life. I, uh, <laughs> I, I was not tall enough to ride that ride. Shot my entire army into that dumb thing. Dropped it down to two wounds, and then I died. Yep. So, so the other the other fun um, part of my list is there are the three Vindicators in there who are also yep. toughness eight. And when you have the Dark Apostle not roll a one, they also have a five up invulnerable save. I mean, and, you get uh, super good style points for bringing three Vindicators in. I mean, well, that's really they're, cool. They're supposed to be terrible. Well, they were when they were D three shots. Right. Yeah. Now they're D six shots. And they would be if I didn't have the ultimate artillery captain in the world that, you know, it totally makes sense. Karn the Betrayer should totally be babysitting three Vindicators, letting them re-roll every single one of their hit rolls with those, yeah. with those 3D6 shots. So um, an average of 10 last cannon shots fly at strength 10 flying at people is not a joke um, and not and then- bad. When you're I, I have to ask, did you, did you ever use the bombardment strap? Oh, I did against the Custodes player. He tilted completely. <laughs> People forget that thing exists. Oh, no, I tell like, I oh. tell them all the time because it's – it's on, on of all the gotchas in the world, there are two on, and that I play with. One is the Lord of Skulls' um, <laughs> degrading path, which right. will usually – once I explain it, will promptly put people over to firing at the Vindicators who are no easier to kill. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Linebreaker Bombardment, two reasons there. One being I don't ever want to um, have 3D3 mortal wounds dropping on somebody's castle without them knowing that was coming. Uh, I even go so far as to explain that I don't have to be able to shoot my gun. I just have to not shoot my gun. <laughs> so I can advance, I can pop smoke, I can be in close combat and drop it directly in front of me. Um, all of those things. And uh, that will usually convince someone to try to kill one. And they should. because. But even if you kill one, there's still 2d6 demolisher cannon That's shots coming shots. at you. Yeah. Which, you know, is never good for anybody. Um, and they're T8 and have a five up and vulnerable save. So the Custodes player fired his entire army. So did the, the Knight player. Um, fired their whole army trying to kill one Vindicator. And you, you drop them down to two or three wounds. They're bracketed for real. And it would matter that their ballistic skill goes down if Karn wasn't standing right next to them going, I don't care, just re-roll. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, the T8 is really great because you can even think about stuff like um, Dark Lances, for instance. Oh, uh, yeah. Dark Lances, you know, those... the, the number of Meltas that are in game now. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and they're just, you got so many of them and you just completely, you you downgrade their efficiency, wounding you just by a whole bracket, basically. Correct. Well, yeah. And, and most people, when they, when they math out what they need to fire at a vehicle to kill it, are going off their experience of wounding on threes. Right. Even even um, Dark Eldar, with, or sorry, Eldar, um, Dark Dark Reapers with their Reaper launchers. They're like, oh, if right. I fire five Reapers, I got that. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Oh, you'll. I had I had a guy uh, actually uh, uh, one of the Dark Eldar players I think that that played uh, uh, John Lennon, and he put 
I want to say he put like eight to 10 dark lances or something ridiculous like that blasters and everything into my, um, into my Lord of Skulls in one of our practice games. And he did four wounds to it. Yeah. One round. And it was just kind of like, well, you know, I, I then can actually get hot and make some five up saves. I mean, that really can get some people salty when that starts happening. Oh yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's pretty cool. And then you have the the two rhinos as well, and you've got Meltas on there because obviously, you know, in the in the uh, hammer and anvil matches, you've obviously got to get all the way up the field with them. And um, yep. you know, I actually use those. as well shoot while you while you advance too. So well, they're 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 actually sneakier than that. So I I call them my assassins because they'll drive right past somebody's screening units right next to a character and plant a melta gun in its face. <laughs> Yeah, and even if I have to advance, even if I have to advance the rhino to do it, oh well, I hit your character on a four, and if I do, ow. Bad news. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, those those darn admech characters trying to hide in the back. The only thing we don't get to do is run over people to get there. So, uh, so there's that, and that's that's why I don't have plasma pistols in my uh, in my berserker Berserkers. squad is because yeah. I can either have two plasma pistols that may have a use. Or for the same 10 points, put a melted gun on a rhino that's absolutely going to drive up and cause problems. Absolutely. Uh, so you're, you're, you won your last match at day, day one, right? And then you got yep. into day two, and you had a great day two where you just won all your matches, right? Yep, absolutely. Um, good times. What would you say was probably the, uh, the toughest match you had? Toughest match I had was definitely the first match against the Necrons. Um, and I wasn't mentally prepared for it. It was, he had, he had the, the silent King who the vindicators should deal with. Um, and I was in the process of doing that, but when everything fell down on the other flank, that caused me to have to change gears over that way. Um, I think I, I, well, and, and, and also the terrain played an effect in that too, because he had the more, he had a bunch of immortals just sitting in terrain. Um, and with the ability to get back up again, going from a three up to a two up save, just absorbing um, fight phase stuff because he's in, in terrain, that was that was made things harder to shift than they should have been. Um, I probably could have played that game better, but without a doubt, like I said, my opponent was really good in that game. So that first game was probably the best game that I had and toughest game. And what, uh, just out of curiosity, what secondaries do you think you probably took the most over the course of the event? Uh, over the course of the event, I would say the one I took the most was probably Dominate, um, which is now... Stranglehold? Uh, Stranglehold, because we have the ability to knock you off of objectives and stand on them at the end of our turn. Really not necessarily the ability to hold them. <laughs> right. Right. That, I mean... Straight up, that's that's exactly the same one that I had a lot of good success with. Um, just the fact that I could, my list could take most of the board away, turn yep. one, and then you're basically having to fight through everything to get all, to all the other objectives. So on the ones where there was, you know, say five or six objectives, um, you know, I'm taking away at least four of them. And, you know, from there, I only have to hold three of them. So even if you take one back, I'm still in a position the next turn to just take one or two more of them back. Right. Yep. And it, and it forces, I think that, uh, the other one I took whenever there was six of, or when there are objectives near our, our deployment zone was raise the banners, anything that as a world leaders player, we can do to make you come fight us. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll yeah. take that objective all the time. 
So Karn, so Karn mostly babysat the Vindicators, the Dark Apostle. Um, the same. Pretty much the same because he's doing the. Um, so he was doing. You had illusions, uh, illusionary supplication. That's the five up involved. Correct. Yep. To any got world it. leaders unit. So that got includes it. the Vindicators. So you're basically now just you've got T eight five five up involved on your on your Vindicators, um, and yep. that's actually between the three of them, that's more wounds than a Lord of Skulls. And it's harder to knock out because you're not, you're not getting every single wound on multi-damage stuff. You might, you might have to, you know, excess damage on one of them. And then the other one just doesn't get shot at at that point. Right. Or you overwhelm one and then don't put enough damage into the other. So any, yeah, anything, anything that, or, or worst case scenario, you split your fire and don't kill either of the two you shot at. Mm -hmm. And then the warp talons, um, you know, they, that kind of sticks out to me as kind of like the thing that if I'm, if I'm just somebody who's looking at your list for the first time, I probably don't understand what the warp talons are in there for. Um, world leaders do have that pregame move stratagem, right? Correct. Yep. So they move up the board nine inches, uh, sometimes with the, the, the jump pack Lord, sometimes on their own. Um, the big deal there is if I go first, there's a 24 inch gap between deployment zones. So they advance forward nine, jump 21, 12 inches further. That, that's 21 inches they've covered. They're sitting three inches outside your deployment zone. There's so, no way they yeah. fail that charge. Yeah. Yeah. So and then, if you've deployed like right up on your line or anything Which like everyone that, yeah. does something. Exactly. There's always something up on the front line. Yeah. And even if they're not, like even if you back up four or five inches off your line, that's only a seven or eight inch charge. Um, they've also so seated control yeah. of the board at that point. It's, Correct. You're right. putting themselves back in the entire turn. Yeah, yep, so exactly. You have to like, deal with them. Yep. Well, and you you don't get a chance if you don't go first. So um, then they charge in, and with the world eater, the that super awesome world eaters one extra attack benefit, they get up to fifty one attacks. Um, and you're rerolling wounds on those. Well, so, rerolling yeah. wounds with vets, yeah. they get plus one to wound. Right. So they're probably wounding you on twos or threes. Uh, even if you, ha even if you're high toughness unit, they're wounding you on fours. Um, so there's that. And then you pop stoke the nails. If it's an Imperium player, you're hitting death of the false emperor on five ups. If they're not, you're getting extra mm -hmm. attacks on sixes anyway with 51 attacks. Mm -hmm. um, if the Lord's there, they're rerolling ones to hit and it's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. The number of attacks they lay down and then you pop, uh, there's one more wild fury. So you go from AP2 Lightning Claws to AP3 Lightning Claws, and you just shred whatever right. they left up front. Right. And the awesome part about that then is if you have to, there's also Kill, Maim, Burn that you can pop for one more CP, which sounds like a lot until you realize you are now moving six inches deeper into the enemy's deployment zone I was and touching – Touching gonna, all of their shooting units. I was going to mention that one because you're you're consolid. It lets you consolidate six, and that might seem like such a simple thing, but um, in matches where it was like my berserkers, where you know I, I easily rolled through a couple units, I could mm -hmm. then just easily like if there was an objective sitting there and I just wasn't quite there yet, um, I could then just you know consolidate an extra six inches into there, or or right. just get another unit locked up in combat and it's not necessarily that I'm worried about that killing them. It was more, I could, I could then be sure that they could not then go and charge something else. And it basically Correct. took that unit out of the game. Yeah. Like when I played that, the, the first night player I played in game three, my, my rolled an 11 for the charge. So the warp talents jumped over the front rank, <laughs> um, armagers 
hit them from behind with their attacks and then were even that much deeper into their deployment zone, touching all their no line of sight shooting tanks and grabbing characters and surrounding them so they couldn't get out. Um, they're, it's, it's pretty horrifying when they, when they actually get to go in. Uh, even even Dark, uh, Dark Angel's Terminators who, who will smile and go, oh, you only wound me on a four. I'm like, okay, I'll re-roll anyway. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and we're AP3, so how many Storm Shields do you have before you're making five up involve saves and tearing people down? Um, and then the, 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 the downside is they do only have one wound, so they're going to die mm -hmm. after I fire them in there. But you're going to spend an inordinate amount of effort that you did not plan on shooting into a unit that's hugging your back line on turn one. So they're, they're, they're 100% there to disrupt. And they do very well. Yeah. And cool. I'm, well, eventually they'll be getting two wounds and it'll be even better. Oh, if they had two wounds, let me tell you. I, I think about it all the time because usually what they die to is um, somebody like, I don't know, some filthy thousand sons player just smites <laughs> the daylights out of them yep. after they get there's like this smite that smite the other smite the other smite and i'm losing every single smite two or yeah. three uh warp well, talons if i was losing one warp talon for every two mortal wounds oh <laughs> yeah well i was gonna ask you about it because you had the brass collar in your list as well and mm -hmm. i you know i only got to use mine once and i played uh, to be fair, I probably only played about two or three. Or, yeah, I think 50% of my opponents actually had psychers, and maybe only two of them actually had psych psychic faces that mattered. Um, right. And even when I went to do that, I, I didn't end up denying it anyways. So it was kind of like, well, you know, I felt great because I, I spent the three CP for the two relics uh, to load my stuff out. So I was down two CP each yep. game because of that. Yeah, so uh, I played Necrons, Custodes, Knights, Knights, Sisters, Knights. That's zero yeah. opportunities. <laughs> but, but I will say that if I were building my list again, I will still always bring the Brass Collar. If I was bringing a second Relic, I don't know that I would pay the three. I would probably ditch the Collar and bring the one, mm -hmm. uh, especially now that Drukhari Custodes, or Drukhari Custodes still, uh, Admech, um, and uh, who else is big? Not not anybody that uses psychic powers. So yeah. right. uh, I mean, all the big lists, like, the, like Dark yeah. Angels and uh, Blood, Angel, Blood Angels, have them too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, it is possible that you'll need it. So, but what I will say is, when I usually play, well, when I used to play, I'm kind of doing this thing. There's a guy, Jamie Miller, who has uh, a, a similar pod podcasting. He does called the Red Path. He's challenged people to play pure world eaters. So. Uh, that's why I'm doing it. <laughs> Normally, when I do a world leaders list, I'll bring a patrol of demons along simply so I can use demonic possession because while it's fun denying something and having somebody perils and take D3 points of damage, it's so much more fun when you spend one CP and make that a 2D3 perils. And then yeah. people and are And then exploding. they die and then yes. they explode and then they're doing mortal wounds to everything exactly. else. So and it's just, that's it's a laugh and a half right there. Yep. So, yep. Uh, yeah, I don't think I would, I would necessarily consider it as something that I absolutely need to bring with me anymore. But man, when it works, it's super fun watching Warlocks explode. It was pretty good in my last <laughs> match, actually, against Death Guard, uh, because I had him on the table and he was, he was getting ready to try to smite something off the table. And, um, you know, he realized I had assassinate. He had just, I could max assassinate against him just because of the number of characters he had. 
And we're sitting there and it's kind of like, well, okay, I'm going to try to deny this. And if I deny it, he perils. And he was just kind of looking at his sorcerer who had like two wounds left. Yep. And it was like, uh oh. <laughs> and yep. unfortunately, unfortunately, I didn't, I didn't counter it, and my guy ended up dying. But you know, it's it's kind of one of those things where um, I think it, it, what you were really getting to is you, you can't really predict what you're going to run into at the tournaments. And even though sometimes Correct. you might have that that in there, you kind of feel like, man, that was a waste. I, I know I've in the in the past made the mistake of just you know. Well, I didn't use it then, so I'm not going to need it for the Right, as soon as you one, take right? it out, you get Death Guard, <laughs> Thousand Suns, Grey Knights. Right, right, exactly. Eldar. Yeah. I will say that um, in ACO, I played, and with the new box coming out, I expect that we'll see more Grey Knights players. And it is hilarious watching a squad of Grey Knights just cripple themselves every turn. <laughs> yeah. I cast Smite on a six. <laughs> really? <laughs> Are you there sure goes D3. There goes D3 Grey Knights. Yep. Which I actually played Grey Knights. And uh, that that one giant paladin bomb that the guy had, and it was kind of like, well, let's see. If I feed you two big world eater or berserker squads to kill the paladins, uh, I, that's like three, four hundred, maybe four hundred points of of uh, berserkers I've thrown yep. at you, but that's like 600 and something points of paladins that I've just killed. Like, okay, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see what else, Mike, anything else you want to, you want to jump into on, on his list and his matches here? I mean, I, I think, uh, I don't really have anything else to add. There it was mostly just listening to the, uh, all story of the event since I wasn't able to go this year. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll get you. We'll get you at the next one. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess I could probably uh, talk a bit about some of the some of the matches I had. Uh, if you guys are interested here. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually curious as to see what you. What <laughs> I, you I'm interested to see what your feeling was with your Lord of Skulls and how much uh, it was able to do versus how much it's usually able to do. In the game, in the game. So the the funny thing was was before the event, I ran two variations of the list. Uh, I had one, and you'll like this, Mark. Um, I, I had one variation that had the Lord of Skulls, and I actually ran just like you do, where I, I like taking a patrol of demons. I like the mm -hmm. balance that that has, or you take a bloodthirster in there with the uh, the eight wound cap, and you just shove him out in the middle in the front of everything, and you go deal with him. Oh yeah. And here's all this other stuff that you also have to deal with at the same time. Um, so I had the Lord of Skulls in a list with the Bloodthirster at one point and I, that definitely was overkill. And so I was kind of sitting here like, okay, well let me, I, I know the Lord of Skulls is good. He did everything that I needed him to do. So let me go and, and actually look at some, some other things. So one of them was um, like your Vindicators, I was toying with Karn babysitting Forge Fiends. Um, mm -hmm. and most of that was just because their, their Gatling cannons are perfect against Dark Eldar. And in, before Admech came out, I was actually having really good success just putting those things with Karn standing near them into all sorts of, you know, raiders and everything. And I, I could down, I mean, like at least get two raiders almost out of commission with the Forge Fiends per turn. And then that's on top of the Lord of Skulls just running around doing his own thing. Um, so I actually, I ran a list without him and then basically just kind of decided, you know, the last week after I tested without him, just 
you know, no, I'm going to bring the Lord of Skulls back in. I'm just going to take my chances with it and, and just say, you know what, let's just go and, and drop pods got the change. Um, so I knew, okay, I'm going to go hundred percent in on, on the new drop pods that allows stuff to get out and charge. Cause for whatever reason, they just, it's like they got us three quarters of the way there with the rules yeah. and then decided, you know, ah, no, let's not let them get out yet. And finally <laughs> decided we could actually do that. So um, thankfully uh, I had made the bet. I, I bought the drop pods uh, to have three of them uh, back before that change went, that FAQ went in. Cause I was fairly certain they were going to FAQ that. And so the drop pods basically just sat there waiting for that rule change to come through. And as soon as it came through, it was like, all right, now I know what I'm doing. So it's like, okay, I've got three drop pods. Okay, I've got the Lord of Skulls. Um, why don't I throw two Helldrakes in there too, just so that I can put my entire army basically into U-turn one. And yep. that's how the list was born. Um, so that worked pretty good. Uh, I had pretty good success uh, pretty throughout the tournament. Uh, unfortunately, I just completely, I, I don't know what it was my first game against Mike. Mike did really, really well with his Blood Angels. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the top Blood Angels player there. Um, I don't know what I was thinking on my secondaries, um, but I, I took a whole bunch that I basically couldn't score. Uh, so we're talking things like behind enemy lines, and the first game was, what, Dawn of War? Yeah. So we, we basically – I laughed when I drew Blood Angels because I knew it was basically just going to be a bloodbath. So we lined up. I go first and I'm like, great. Well, I guess all I can do is just go at them and see what happens. And unfortunately, when you fail your charges, uh, yeah. you stand in there and it's like, well, you know, at least wipe your feet, you know? Um, <laughs> and yep. so that, that game was over pretty quick. Uh, and then the second game, um, I was playing uh, Necrons and I believe it was a Necron player who, uh, took a break through, I think, 8th edition and maybe even 7th edition, and he, he was just coming back now. Um, it, it, you could tell with, some, with the list that he had, uh, it was a good list, uh, but when I went first, it was just kind of like, once I jumped on him, that was that. And the Destroyers were kind of like the big things that I kind of went at first. Uh, the Helldrakes could get back and harass stuff, and you know, after that, it was just kind of, you know, watching his army try to fend that stuff off while yep. my army just kind of ran around. Um, and then uh, Mason's Grey Knights uh, were the, that was the match I was talking about before where um, he had the big Paladin bomb. And again, in that match, I went first. Uh, so I, I also made all my charges right away. And What's, what's great is the drop pods can move over stuff and do mortal wounds to things. And what's even better is when you roll a six on that, when you're moving Ooh. over a bunch of paladins or, a, or whatever else he's got out there and you're rolling D6 mortal wounds on, on units. And that's pretty good. Oh, and then you can go and charge them with the drop pod as well. Mm -hmm. And then, th so that was the best thing is when, when people were like, well, what does the drop pod do in combat? And they were kind of asking like, it's like a rhino, right? And I'm like, well, yeah. It, it, a rhino it's, with it, big stompy legs. <laughs> you know, he's got he's hitting on fours, but it's AP four flat three damage, and yeah. it's kind of like, uh, yeah, that's not good. So th that's that not a rhino. That's not a rhino at all. <laughs> no, get away. <laughs> it's a very angry rhino. <laughs> so that so day one ended basically. I I lost the first match and. 
I like what they did where they put the bad the bad matches uh, or or not the bad matches the 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 annoying missions where it's hold two uh, for the primary and they put those as the first missions for the uh, the the first day, uh, first rounds of the day and of course um, I drew Will Ivy uh, in the uh, first day the second or first round on the second day and this is the guard guard matchup I was talking about and. He and I pretty much looked at each other's list and kind of sat there and were like, well, we know what's going to happen here, right? And it's like, yep, it's who's going to go first. And uh, so we basically got everything deployed and just kind of, we kind of laughed. We rolled the dice like, okay, let's roll to see who wins the game here. And, uh, you know, unfortunately he, he rolled better than me on that one. And Lord Skulls got picked up real quick. And then after that, there was just, he had too many guardsmen between me and him. Um, he did a really good job of using his sentinels to scout up the field. Uh, yeah. And as a result, my drop pods kind of got pushed. Uh, they got pushed away from the rest of his army. Uh, and so even though I was able to use the um, Kilmain Berm strat to get my berserkers up the field a little bit after combat, uh, I didn't. I didn't have enough to really stay on the board, and probably by about the bottom of three, it was pretty much over. Uh, so, do you think if your berserkers had two wounds, it would have made a difference with how much you could get up the field? Well, I don't know that that would have mattered in that in that one uh, because what what he was hitting me with that was killing the berserkers was uh, scions with the plasma guns. Oh yes, yeah, he was just overcharging <laughs> left and right, and it's kind of like, well, you know, I was looking at that and I was thinking, well, you know, in a lot of cases, if I lost my berserkers, I'd look at it and go, gee, you know, if I had two wounds, would it have made a difference there? And there really weren't all that many situations where I was like, yeah, that would have made a difference because so much stuff has multiple wounds. So everybody's loading up on multi damage stuff. Oh yeah. Everything. Yeah. D two is the new D one. Exactly. And so you're, you're kind of like, well, you know, really wouldn't have made a difference there because you're just going through everything with, uh, with two damage. So yeah. You know, the, the, I would say the last two games were the best two games I've played over the whole tournament. The other ones, um, you know, my list is designed to go first and jump on you so hard early that basically if I go first, the idea is I win the game on turn one. Uh, the, the last two games took a lot more work than the other ones. Um, the game against Christian and his, and his orcs, um, he had, oh God, man, he had so many orc boys, but that, I mean, it's, it's kind of what you expect for an orc army, but I want to say he had about 60, uh, was it like 80? No, he had, he had uh, probably close to about 90 boys, I think. Yeah, he had 120 boys. Sorry, Oof. 120 boys. Uh, but, but, and then he had Gaskell in there as well. But what happened was, and there's some pictures floating around on the, um, the Thousand Suns Discord of this. Uh, they were shooting pictures of the, the matches that was happening. When we laid our terrain out, there were basically two alleys, and this was a hammer and anvil match. And so he had, a, he had an alleyway, he had two alleyways in his deployment zone that were right next to the objectives. So what I did on turn one was I basically sent the Heldrakes up and sat them in both of those alleys, and then I was able to get them into combat, so they basically just sat there. Um, and what that did was it, it basically I now own all of the board unless you get through those Heldrakes. Um, right. He didn't have very much shooting at all. Almost everything he had was geared for um, geared for close combat. He had, I think, two Mega Knob squads. 
and they don't move very fast. And what was great about it was the Helldrakes were able to just uh, flame them and just dump, you know, between that and the Lord of Skulls, I was, I was able to dump as much stuff into those Mega Knobs as possible so that he's basically attacking my Helldrakes with uh, basically just standard boys. Yep. And, and the, the best thing is World Eater's four-up deny strat. So he's like, okay, he's in the back, backfield with his weird boys. He's like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to now go ahead and do, uh, what is it, Warpath the on jump. boys. The jump. Right? And it's when he goes to jump that I'm like, great, I spend a CP. Oh, look, I rolled a five. Your, your power's denied. And so now his orcs are just sitting back there like really angry and everything, but it's like, that's great. They just sat back there the whole turn. So Gasgol comes up. This was probably, I, I felt bad for Christian that this happened, but I kind of didn't at the same time because it was really good for me. Uh, Gaz went into the Lord of Skulls and I want to say I rolled something like f- five or six out of eight saves on the uh, five up saves uh, against Gazgol hitting them. So he only ended up taking like, I think eight damage total uh, in the, in the salvo from him. And then he basically just turned around and like chopped, uh, chopped Gaz. Um, yep. The other thing that um, he forgot about was the fact that Gaz's wound cap is per phase. Right. Uh, I had chipped at him turn one. Now when he charged, I flamed him with Overwatch. So I was able to get, what, like two damage through. And what that did was it dropped him just below the threshold. So now in my shooting phase or my charge phase, I cleaned him up after that. And it was kind of like, oh, yeah, that that didn't care. That was three separate phases essentially in there. Yeah. Um, and then aside from that, that basically was just over uh, because uh, the one thing I really liked doing with the drop pods was in matches where um, like, I don't, I don't want to like in matches like that, where I've got three big squads of berserkers and they're very valuable, but they're only valuable. If I attack, I get to decide the, the, the pace of the battle, essentially like my guys get to make the assault and go in and swing um, the moment berserkers don't get to swing just like, you know, I think you were talking about, they get melted basically. Yep. And um, so what I like to do in a, in a lot of ways is I will make you chew through my transports, my, my drop pods. Uh, so I'll sit a drop pod back on an objective with a bunch of berserkers in it and the berserkers won't get out. They'll just ride in there. So your boys that now jump the next turn to come take that objective. Great. You kill that. Uh, you kill the uh, drop pod The I emergency disembark the berserkers <laughs> And now the berserkers just go absolute ham on everything that's left there. Um, and, and that just kind of cleans it up at that point. And then I'm guaranteed that the stuff that the berserkers need to go into, they go into. So yep. that, that pretty much uh, trapped him in, in, his, uh, in his deployment zone. And, you know, you could tell he was pretty frustrated about that. Um, my last match, though, hands down, was my best, best match of the entire day. Um, and basically what won the game was deployment. Tyler was playing, uh, death guard. He had like a plague burst crawler. He had a bunch of death shroud terminators. He had a lot of like the, um, the, the stuff you tend to see in a death guard army. Um, what he did though, was he separated his army into two forces. And on that map, the, the way it laid out, there were three objectives on each side. And by him splitting his army that way, it meant that I could go hold an entire side of the board 
and the one thing Death Cart doesn't do good is mobility. Absolutely so I knew correct. That, I, I knew that all of his stuff, his big mob, I attacked his small mob that was on the other side of the board. Uh, so what that meant was all of his big stuff was basically just taken out of the game. Uh, his demon prince was just kind of sitting there trying to fly across the board to rescue stuff. And by the time he got there, uh, I was able to, I don't know what did it, but something chipped a couple wounds off of him. And so my master of executions hops out and just basically YOLO charges the demon prince <laughs> and pop veterans of the long war. And I'm, you know, popping mortal wounds on fives. And it's kind of like, well, that's de bye bye demon prince. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the best thing was my Chaos Lord uh, with Gorefather just basically went on a rampage uh, on the very end, just hunting his characters down. So he'd basically charge a character, kill it, go hide in a ruin, you know, run out the next, uh, the next phase and then charge another character, go and kill that character. Um, and just absolutely was murdering everything. Um, so, I, so I have to ask, did you remember the Skulls for the Skull Throne stratagem that I forgot for the entire tournament? I only had to use that once in all of my games. Um, and I, I totally forgot about it. My, I used it once. It was pretty good uh, because I had one game against Harlequins where I had had both of my – that's the morale one, right? I know. That's, that's the one, the one where you get a CP for killing a character with your – Oh, with your no. You're, I forgot about that one. You're, you're absolutely correct. You, you spend one CP, free. you get D3 CP back. I completely forgot. My, my, I was, I, I'm in there chopping characters down left and right. Oh, who man. needs extra cp <laughs> oh man i could have just like loaded up on cp in that game uh anyways well yeah i forgot that uh i was talking i was thinking more of the um the one where um your if a world eaters unit kills another unit you i think it's for two cp you can yeah. just say okay we pass morale and i think i have only had to do that once because I had a Harlequin player respond, uh, basically that was going to respond to a whole bunch of attacks that I made. And I killed one unit and just decided, well, I'll do that now. And sure enough, it worked out really well because my berserkers ended up living. Yeah. Just, Wouldn't it be cool if berserkers were fearless like they used to be? Like make totally makes sense yeah. that berserkers run away from close combat. <laughs> they sh yeah, they shouldn't, they, they but, shouldn't be running you know, at all. I'm not like, bitter or anything. Yeah. But in any case, I mean, the, the Tyler made me work really work for that one. Um, the, you know, the game was definitely back and forth. Um, he he definitely screwed up in in how he deployed his playburst crawler, where my two Heldrakes basically just charged it and got on either side of the playburst crawlers, so it couldn't it couldn't fall. Well, couldn't back. get out. Right, yep. and so what that did was now he can't even shoot my Heldrakes that are now locked in combat. And so it bought me a phase of damage off the Heldrakes where they could just sit around and just continue to, to chew on stuff. And it made it so that the Plague Burst Crawler was at minus one shooting out of combat. And yep. for, I guess for some reason, um, he had just not had good success or, or he had had really good success with his Plague Burst Crawler not taking damage. And I think I was the first one to actually bracket the Plague Burst Crawler on turn one. Uh, which was also really good. So now he was only really hitting on, I don't know what, like fives at that point. So yeah. for, for, for all intents, that, that model was taken out of the game. The one thing that really sucked though, was that I spread my damage out too much. So he had like a hell Drake. He had a, he had three of the, um, uh, the flying, the, the things with the mowers. Light drones. Oh, those, those. mowers. Are, oh, I yeah, yeah. so jealous. Those things scared the crowd. I was like, that thing needs to die immediately. And uh, unfortunately, when I was spreading my damage out, 
the stuff that should have killed it didn't end up killing it. And I blame the fact that I was assuming that I, I wasn't at minus one to, or minus one damage in a lot of cases. So my brain is still just assuming, okay, I yeah. know how much damage I'm going to get from stuff like power fists. And right. It, like, yeah. It's the exact, it's the exact opposite of the shooting into the, the Lord of Skulls with the TA and the five up involve save. It's yeah. yep. I did my math and I'm going to do this many wounds. And then you, free, you, you have to half that because you take a point off of all your two damage weapons. Yep. I got lucky. Uh, I mean, I, I made some saves. Uh, the heavy cover kind of worked as well, where I think I, I got some uh, some bonus saves on my on my world leaders or the berserkers that kind of kept them alive. But uh, I will say that making being able to re-roll an eight inch charge with the chaos lord getting out of the drop pod um, really really helps from his warlord trait. Um, where without that, I was not making anywhere near the number of charges that I was making. Uh, probably on average through the event, it, it was um, it was much more reliable. Well, yeah, and I will say I'd be interested to see how all of your Thousand Suns players do. Um, I think one of the things that those Dread Claws are going to be fantastic for is shooting armies because yeah. you can drop in in either rapid fire range. Like I, I imagine Emperor's Children can just do awful things with them. Oh yeah. Um, but. Yeah, the having to make an eight inch rerolled charge is still like you find out still a gamble that. I'm like, oh yeah. Mm. But if you can drop in shooting units and and units that have psychers in them for smiting stuff and all those things that are supposed to have a hard time getting in range to use their cool abilities like flamers, um, just wow. <laughs> yeah, the that was kind of the reason why I stopped taking the red butchers. Yep. Well, it be, I was running them in a five-man squad with all Melta and Lightning Claws. Perfect. And you, you obviously, you get the, the icon that lets you reroll charges, but they would fail charges every game. And it's just kind of like, you know, I couldn't really justify the 165 points or so for the squad. And although that's not all that back. And two CP on top of that, yeah. So you end up just being starved for CP in a lot of cases. So. They do look really good. I'll say that. <laughs> they, yeah. Well, if if they go off, I'll tell you what. Um, oh, the, yeah. If if so, my my red butcher squad had two two chain fists, and when the red butchers hit knights, suddenly yeah. they look like they're worth it. Because <laughs> yeah. it's just I'm gonna throw <laughs> down twenty one wounds with this these two guys with a chain fist, and then I'm gonna go ahead and consolidate six inches into your next knight, and we'll just do that again. I feel like the one unit that I, I think is getting overlooked right now because of its swinginess is mutilators. Sure. Uh, because yep. they actually, when you look at how much they cost and what they do and Mike, I mean, Mike can kind of attest to it. He used to run a squad, uh, just yep. like a troll squad in his, uh, yep. in uh, your renegades. Yep. And Ran, uh... did, didn't they like solo a knight? Oh yeah. They so do all sorts of ridiculous shit. They uh, would kill knights. I had one more or less a squad of three, more or less as killer bane blade, and that's before we got the new master possessions. Right. Um, oh, yeah. The main thing that they need is they just need a, a delivery method, yeah. which so, is so hard you, to get them. Have you have you have you tried putting them in strategic reserve? Because one of the things that will absolutely ruin someone's day. Like if Necrons or Admech now have the same thing as like the Veil of Darkness and they'll zoom into your deployment zone, three mutilators coming in from strategic reserve directly into close combat. <laughs> Fantastic. That's yeah. great. 
That's really and it only good. costs one CP to put them into strategic reserve along yeah. with something else because they're only 105 points. It's like one obliterator or three mutilators. Yeah, and that's the thing I've been thinking about is just the fact that they're basically terminators. They're, they're what, three wounds? Three wounds. Three wounds, two up yeah. save, five up in one save. I mean, for 100 points, that's, that's pretty good. It's yeah, and, good. and they're swingy, but if you're swinging at things that it doesn't really matter – you're wounding, if you're wounding the stuff on twos and they only have one wound each, so the damage doesn't really matter. Um, the, the, yeah, it, it yeah. can, it can well, absolutely ruin someone's day. They actually mm-hmm. have a, a, a baked in teleport strike, which is what I use them, for, how I use them a couple of times. Um, but I don't know, just they're a really weird unit. The ability to advance and charge on them, though, that, that was really key to making them actually useful. Yes. They, once yep. they're in, then they just kind of sit there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, overall, the the event was great. I mean, the yeah, venue was venue was, was like, fantastic. Uh, and if they have another one again next year, I'm definitely going. Uh, and I hope yeah. they hope they can use the same venue again. Um, other than that, I don't know. Is there anything else from uh, LSO we need to uh, we haven't covered yet? So, I mean, the only thing that I guess really comes to mind. We, we talked about the terrain, but so how oppressive were the uh, Mechanicum at LSO? Because I don't keep track of the stats, but I've heard things. Well, I think the uh, I think the entry count was down. There were only 10. Right. Yeah, so it's <laughs> percentage-wise of everything, I think that's probably lower than what we would have expected. Yeah, but they won 68% of their games. That's true. <laughs> So I don't know that the player place terrain actually affected Admex winning percentage at all there. I mean, I kind of, I kind of thought it was going to help them. Yeah. I, I, I kind of agree with that. Although there was, I'm, I'm pretty sure there was a round where it sounded like there were a bunch of Admex players that played each other. Uh, that might explain why they only won 68% of their games. So there, <laughs> so there might've been a few that kind of took each other out there kind of, kind of midway through. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, they have, they, they have built in ignore light cover. So yeah. the, your, your buildings don't matter unless you're not in them. They've got the bombers that can fly over the cover and just do mortal wounds all over the place. Um, they've got the range giving them extra, extra protection in close combat too. I just, I don't see how anything except for if they, they brought a whole bunch of the chickens. Um, I don't know what else would care about. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't think it would have harmed them at all, but yeah. and it doesn't appear to have, there just weren't a lot of them for whatever reason. Yeah. I just didn't have any other plan other than go first and kill as much of it as I can. And then hope that's good enough. I mean, that, with with chaos space marines right now i just don't know we we don't really have very much that has staying power against what i mean nothing technically has staying Correct. power against how much they have so yeah. you know i just kind of figured well i'm not going to play the uh the defensive game so let's just go all offensive right really that and that's really your your only i, oh, I don't know if that's the only one i think that's the the one that i would guess has the highest chance of success i've i've played very few games against admec players um I think maybe I'm up to six now with the new codex mm-hmm. and the, the times I've won 
have been times when I went first to start with the warp talons jumped in and just ate a whole bunch of stuff and the Lord of skulls munched down a bunch of chickens before they got to shoot. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you just have to, you have to stay directly on top of them and wave after wave, after wave, after wave into them because they mm-hmm. can fall back and shoot. So whatever you commit into them is already dead. As soon as you send it, it's like, I don't know, being a Russian general in Stalingrad, it's like, Oh, they were dead as soon as I blew the whistle. So um, yeah. So I think, I, I don't know. I, I, it's a, it's a really tough matchup for us. So, t- so 20% of the top 20 were cult uh, ad mech lists. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, of, of all, all of the armies that were up there, it looks like probably Jukari were probably the second one in there. Um, I actually lucked out. I didn't have to face any of them. I didn't have to face Admac or Jukari. So I was, uh, well, you lost a game. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. As, as soon as you lose your first game, you're, you're, you're pretty safe from them. Yeah. Sadly, they won't be in that bottom true. half. That's very true. Um, and then I don't know if it counts when you, when you're looking at the list, the ones that run Admac and Knights, um, or, or combine the two, I don't think that's quite the same. No, it's, it's, it's it, it hinders the, the Admac yeah. portion. Yeah, it a lot. actually makes it yeah. worse. What I can tell. I felt real bad for Death Guard players, though, because I, I, at one point there was definitely a screenshot floating around um, where I, I, I want to say it was after the whole event was over, where it basically was showing that Death Guard had not won any, all of the Death Guard players, uh, all the way up and down the ranks. Not a single one of them had beat any of their admec opponents in any of the matchups yeah. that they were. Correct. So yep. death guard went like, Oh, and 20 or I don't know, whatever it was against admec, which is kind well, of like, it, yeah. And you touched on the point as to why. And if you want to talk about an army that probably got hit hardest by the terrain rules, I think it would be the death guard because if someone was willing to come to them, then the terrain rules didn't bother them at all. My, oh, sure. my one of my good friends, Don Houston, is a Death Guard nut, mm-hmm. and he he drew that IG list with all the mana cores, and he was like, "Well, that game's done," because yeah. I can yep. no way, shape, or form get. And he has tons of blight drones to zoom over there, but he's like, I "Can't can't get to the line of out of line of sight shooting," and right. um, then it was done. And the ad mech are pretty much the same thing. It's like we just sit 22 and a half inches away from you and shoot you to daylight. And you have to come through right. the terrain. Yep. You have yeah. to go take objectives somehow. Right. Yeah. And I think there's a sort of my observations at the one the tournament that I went to here in Houston is that those lists like the Death Guard and Dark Angels that like they're super tanky, but they're slow as hell. Yep. Those while in a vacuum operate very well, they just don't function once people have a certain amount of range threat. Well, the Dark Angels have one advantage, though. They can take two stratagems that say, I don't even have to play the game and I get 30 points. Sure. So I think that's why they do better than the Death Guard do. If you took um, Stubborn Defiance or Oath a Moment away from Dark Angels, then I think you would see them behaving like Dark, like the Death Guard do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's actually so it sounds like Mechanica more or less just dominated every matchup they're up against, um, even sort of trampling over things like uh, Adeptus Sororitas or uh, Jakari. One army uh, that we I've talked about a little bit on the Discord server um, that I think might 
hinder them somewhat. Uh, the new dis- uh, disciples of Belacor um, army of Renown, which leads us into our next bit. So, uh, as I'm sure everyone is aware, the the Act Two of the Book of Fire came out, which um, buffed Mechanicum because they told totally it needed that uh, with a new <laughs> army of Renown, but it also introduced the actual rules for taking Belacor and gave him his army of renown, which is actually really cool. I, I actually like this a lot. Um, it's effectively, you have to take two detachments, one for demons, one for, uh, for its, uh, the space Marines, whatever they're called. Yeah. Anyways, a heretic Astonius, that's the proper word. Um, and he has actually has to go in the demon's detachment, but the bonuses that they get just almost hard counter yeah. the types of shooting armies that we're seeing. Effectively, if he, you have demons uh, sort of next to heralds, uh, you cannot reroll hit rolls against those demons, and you subtract one to to attack uh, the rolls um, yep. against them as well from within 12 inches away. The mortal units don't get the no rerolls thing, but they still have the subtract one to hit, and they get bonuses towards combat attrition tests. And, I mean, overall, this reading through this is like a grab bag of like all of the things that sort of are awesome from other people's codexes. Like, they, they, they're psychic powers. Like a lot of them are multi-use. For instance, like the fall of despair. A fall of despair allows you to just shut off abilities, which is it's awesome. So there's um, good stuff. It, 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 there's plenty to get to on that. I do want to back up though, because you were you were mentioning the two detachment yeah. thing, because that I think is something that people have been kind of going back and forth as to why. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a two detachment requirement for matched play. And that was because the Disciples of Bellacor thing is not a, it's a keyword, but it's not a faction keyword, right? And if you mix all of them together, you can't take a, um, you're not supposed to be able to take chaos aligned stuff. Is that right? Like you're correct. So you can, every model in the detachment must share a faction keyword other than chaos right and so um, then you're going to be left like if you're if you're taking you know multiple demon units essentially you're going to be taking um i mean i guess there is a way for you to put them together if they shared a chaos god but the fact that they can't means that you're not going to share a keyword other than chaos at that point correct yeah so I, I think the, it, it, just kind of my own, my conversations with people on the thing, I do think this army renown, most of the ones we've seen so far have been mostly like fluffy, right? Yes. And so now it's kind of like, all right, now this seems like the first one where people are kind of like, there could be a competitive formula here with this, where it could mm-hmm. possibly work because it is really good. Uh, but I, I sort of seem to be seeing that it, it forces you into um, such weird collections of units that I'm not sure we've like permuted, permutated all the possible uh, uh, like setups that you can do with your list yet where there's a really good one. I know that blood letters do pretty damn good uh, in this. Um, 
screamers seem like they're they're a cool like a big squad the screamers seems pretty cool to to like get up the board early uh the flamer bomb is always there because you can you can pop tons of mortal wounds with those things um but i don't know what you do on the chaos space marine sides of things like a lot of the good lists seem to be just going all in on demons so for chaos space marines there are a couple of good options um you could do a like a, a prim- predominantly shooting chaos space marine detachment with the because of the bonuses they get for being at range and several of the psychic powers and stratagems sort of support that style of play. Um, the other option, of course, is you could just go balls to the wall, just like, I'm going. Um, they have the jump as a psychic power, um, which just allows you to teleport any Bellacore infantry unit that you want nine inches away from any enemies. Um, they've got a stratagem that literally, if you force models to flee from a unit, your guys get healed. So, oh no, you killed half of my play, uh, blood letter unit. Well, you fail your combat attrition tests, I get guys back. And so I think the closest sort of play style of an army that I, I can sort of attribute this to, and it's very similar, in fact, uh, would be to compare it to an Ari from 8th edition, not the current mess that they're in. Um, in that it's an army that can really excel at any theater it wants to, but you have to make sort of hard decisions about what you include and what you don't. And I, I think with a high-skilled player with a very large collection of models, uh, the Disciples of Bellacor can easily wreck shop against really anything that it comes up against. but And it's only going to get better with time because Chaos Space Marines still haven't gotten their two-wound adjustment, for instance. The only thing that really sucks about it, uh, if anything I could really say it sucks about it, is the fact that there are such hard restrictions on what they can take. For instance, no greater demons, no cult troops. That's cuts out a lot of uh, no-named characters other than Bellacore, no demon princes. Uh, means you're going to have to rely on what I would, I guess, refer to as a sort of second-string units. But the just actually thinking about it, perhaps the demonic uh, Heretic Astartes army, where effectively you take the master position, you take the various demon units would actually function very well for Disciples of Bellacore because there's so much overlap there. Um, but I actually think this is a, a, a good step for Chaos if you like this style of army. Mark, are you, uh, are you even considering running uh, the, the Bellacore army? Um... I'll be honest and say probably not, mostly because the only demons that I have are bloodletters. Um, <laughs> so, so meeting the. However, however, um, having not looked at the book yet because I already bought that book three times, um, the oh, the yeah. the thought in my mind is a a a patrol, and I don't even know if it's possible, but a patrol that had Bellacore and a bomb of bloodletters coming along with. Um, 
just obliterators and mutilators and uh mm -hmm. you know the, i love the master of possessions i think there's there's a lot of people that just are sleeping on the fact that he has some really super cool abilities um you throw those in the possessed are, are in, a, in a not a horrible place um it wouldn't break my heart to buy some furies if i needed them to kind of fill out what was going on in in the bellicor thing so i could i could see myself finding a way to get there um but i'd have to get bellicor first and i don't i don't see yeah. that happening <laughs> yeah so bellicor and a bulletter bomb is actually a viable control detachment yeah so yeah and well bellicor on his own is going to be a pretty terrifying uh model on the table because he just basically deletes what he what he gets into combat with. Yeah, he's remarkably good for his points, um, I will say. He's not necessarily as traditionally tanky as a model of his points values would be, but he's effectively you're always going to be a minus one to hit and wound him on top of his four up and one save. And I suspect the lists that have greater demons in them now would probably be considering replacing that greater demon with Bellacor in some way, shape, because uh, the points are the points are so close, and the different the the output difference you get between him and any of the greater demons is just I mean he's just another two or three yeah. pegs higher. So the mono faction demon players, so like people who are running pure Slanesh or pure right. Zinch or whatever. Um, Bellicor is not really an option for them. Uh, but for somebody like me, I have every demon unit that exists. Um, and so I could buy Bellicor and easily slot them into my collection right. and it'd work very well for me. Right, cause then um, you got Nurglings and you've got oh, yeah. Bloodletters and you've got the Horrors and yeah. Yeah. So so does he does he kick that minus one to hit over onto a unit like Pink Horrors? Yes. So what he oh does Oh my is god, that would make gives, that block so hard to um, get rid of. All all <laughs> of your the um, the heralds in your army gain his uh minus one to hit thing. And the uh my uh can't reroll uh tax against him. Uh so effectively you just make sure you have enough horold hor uh, words um heralds to give you enough coverage so that your core like infantry units and things that you these cannot die. It, it gets even it gets even better though. Uh, Mark what you were just alluding to the giant pink horror bo uh, blob with yeah. all the splits uh, because they added a stratagem I believe for just the Bellicor army where you automatically pass a morale test on a yep. roll of one. Yeah, so the, now uh, mortal boon yeah, so so now you can actually start getting pinks back automatically every turn. Oh, so yeah. you could so you could you could pay the one CP, put your your herald in the warp, drop the herald herald down, the jump the thirty block over into somebody's deployment zone of pink horrors, yeah, and just be like, I'm in your zone, yeah. I'm never leaving. So cheers. The one requirement for mortal boon though is there has to be a mortal unit within six inches of it. But oh. I mean, hell, drop drop pod next yeah. to it. There you go. Or or drop in three <laughs> mutilators. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. That'll uh, that'll be fun. Wow. Yeah. This, so like this thing, there's a bundle of possibilities, and I I really like what I'm seeing here. Um, 
oh, most of the other armies of renown, like the new Skatari one and the ones from the previous book, they're cool, they're fluffy, but they're very blunt. Whereas this one's just like so much, many things to play with. It's just, I, I, I really think that we're going to see somebody put together a good list for this and it's going to completely take people by surprise. Not, I think Nanavati already had one that he was running, but I, if if I recall correctly, if it's the same list that uh, someone was sharing in Discord, I think that one had some some restriction violations. On yeah, that, he so. was running them in a single detachment. Right, and it's not that Which, you couldn't just split that up. That would, I mean, you could oh, yeah. totally go and do that, but it, it could mess with what you're bringing. So, um, yeah, and then aside from that, we've got the new box coming. Uh, for thousand yes, so sir. pretty Long much what we expected coming. right uh, you know we knew there was going to be this box coming but we didn't we didn't know what was going to be in it but the fact that you know the infernal master gets announced at about the same time it's kind of like yeah this is probably going to be the only way we can get the infernal master for a good while here so you're going to end up mm-hmm. unless you had plans to start a gray knight's army or and expand your thousand sons uh, the box, I have a feeling, is not going to have the same demand for it that some of the others have had. But who yeah. knows? Now, the, the, so the one problem with the box is it has a named character in it. It has the new castle and crow. Mm-hmm. Um, if that was a sort of like a more generic character that had like an alternative build of a castle and crow, right. um, I think you, this box would have great demand because it's a, a great, looks like it's going to be a pretty good value from what I understand. But the units in it are great for both armies, except for Castle and Grow. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of people putting that guy up on eBay, just parting yeah. out that one, or you know, people splitting the boxes. That could totally. I mean, that that's a pretty typical thing. But yeah, so I, I'm excited for the the Infernal Master with the effectively he's an apothecary of all things, not an apothecary, a, a chaplain, apostle. Yeah, uh, yeah. We uh, have we don't get chaplains anymore. I'm sorry, Dark Apostle. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and so that's something that is kind of weird for a thousand sons. Everything's always been just like, yes, I have psychic powers to do psychic things. It's like, but nope, we will I'm now preach gonna... the ways of Magnus. <laughs> well, yeah. but, if, but if you just think about it, think about it another way. There are psychic powers that you can't deny. Yeah, they are. They are. It's like, going to be fantastic. You know, like, what the heck? What? Like, <laughs> Why, we've been doing this wrong for so long. Exactly. I could cost. I could cast prescience, and you can deny it. Or I can have my dark apostle do a prayer on a two up, and you're just gonna have to deal. I still get plus one to hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, so I think what they're gonna do, just kind of having looked at what the Infernal Master does and some of the stuff that's come out, um, the rumor is the three, the like the the other powers are probably going to be better than the ones that have been previewed but we have no confirmation on that or anything yeah um the i have a feeling that they're going to restrict exalted sorcerers and demon princes in these lists coming up like yeah i think you're only going to be able to take one of them in your in your army yeah i mean i expect we're going to get similar restrictions to death guard so definitely a restriction on cultists maybe even a restriction on zangors yeah, I don't know. It I, that would be kind of tough if you're restricted on both cultists and Zangors. 
What are you going to use for meat shields? Big horrors. I mean, yeah. That's a, that's <laughs> if you option. want to bring a, a whole nother patrol, not just play pure thousand cents. I got to tell you, as a as a frosty old school neck bearded player, the fact that they made Zangor's thousand sons just chafes me. Yeah, like, weird, everything that's a thousand sons <laughs> turned to dust. What are these chickens doing yep. being counted as thousand sons? So, to counter your point about what will take, they did the same thing to Death Guard. Uh, they yes. made cultists and poxwalkers both limited by the number of uh, plague marines you take. Yeah. Yep. And so... I, 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 I mean, kind of like granted, that. <laughs> I, I, I I want the Zengor thing as a pipe dream. Just uh, I I don't like Codex Goat. It's just not my thing. I so they I, should be like relegated to like the crew profile, right? Where it's kind of like, yeah, they exist, and someone's daring enough to take them every now and then. But I mean, I just think that the uh, army should include some actual thousand sons. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Yeah, I got uh, your back. <laughs> <laughs> it, it grieves me. I, I I've done it for all of one one tournament, but it grieves me every time I put cultists inside of a rhino because I know the berserker inside there is like you're going to get out right now or I'm going to kill you myself. Yep. <laughs> I mean, to add some uh, credibility to my statement, the uh, new box actually follows the rules from Death Guard. They have one. Uh, Thousand Sons infantry, like space marine unit per Zengor unit. Hmm. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, uh, I'm sure that. Hey, two two wound Rubik Marines are going to be annoying. Oh yeah, except that. Well, whatever all is dust. All is dust. Yeah, exactly. Because at the moment, all is dust. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. Except it's not. Yeah. Um. Hey, you get a bonus for one damage, but guess what? Nobody takes one damage anymore. Yay. <laughs> I take a ton of one damage because I play Death Guard too much. It's like, what's yeah. the point of two damage? I'll just bring a bunch of one damage that rerolls to wound. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, I'm looking forward to two wounds and on the rubrics and three wounds on those Terminators. Yeah, three wounds the on the Terminators really is huge. But the yeah. Terminators really need that new sword. So they've, they've given them a new sword of some kind that we don't know what it does. But I think the, the rumor is it's a uh, mastercrafted sword that they would have. So you'd have, what, AP3, two damage swords. You know what would be cool is if it just ignored invulnerable saves like the, the Zinchi Demon weapon. That would be amazing, but that would be I, awesome. mean, I think people would lose their shit over the fact that just regular Terminators got something like that. But Have I you think seen that would the Death Star Terminators? Uh, <laughs> With their, I, oh, I, I swing something? and I, I, I well, oh, the mortal I, wounds. I swing and yes. I, sw I, sweep through, I sweep through your unit and yeah, the, mortal, the mortal wounds. wounds and, yeah. Uh, yeah, so just ignoring invulnerable saves is no big deal because all it makes it is so that you can kill demons and characters. You know, I'd be I'd be okay with this. I would, I would love this. it. <laughs> it would be something unique for a thousand suns. Ten sure. scarab occult terminators right now would go from eh to pretty scary. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also the I'm, I'm hoping that the flamers finally get updated so that the twelve inch range like every other flamer. Yes. are they not? No, no they are eight inches still. Oh my word, sir! I would have thirty flamer rubric marines right now. If 
I could. How does that not get? That's almost. That's almost yeah. worse than not bad. having updated the two wounds. It's been bad. It's, just, <laughs> it's been a bad ride. <laughs> oh man, I'm not playing this army on Saturday. What am I thinking? <laughs> McDade and I actually joked about taking a 20-man blob of flamer rubrics and just <laughs> infiltrating them and advancing them into your face if you go first. And just oh sure, just flame everything, but then don't even charge. Just be like, great. Oh just yeah, charge, just charge us. That. <laughs> Yeah, no, no. That's Good the luck. beautiful thing about flamers. You don't have to charge. You just oh, okay, you I'm see? here. Flame. Okay, what do you want to do? That almost that almost begs to be used at LSO terrain. Like I'm just gonna stand <laughs> in this heavy terrain, <laughs> shooting you with my flamers. Come on oh, in. Please assault me. <laughs> oh man. Well, we can't have fun like that though. That would be no. that, that would be unnecessary. So. Well, I think that does it. I think we've pretty much covered everything for tonight. Um, Mark, thanks for taking your time to to join us and take us through your experience at LSO and uh, the journeys of corn. Absolutely. And And thanks for having me. Yeah, hopefully we'll be able to have you on again in the future. Awesome. I think, uh, well... Oh, I am forgetting something, though, aren't I? I can't forget. No, that that Magnus did nothing wrong? Yep. Yeah, Magnus Magnus did nothing wrong. wrong.